0: Cody Decker, first baseman, third baseman, catcher, left fielder, right fielder, DH, pinch hitter, all-around handsome guy. On 670, the score. Fastball high in the air, deep left field. This game is tied. Cody Decker with career home run number 200. If they're unwritten rules, why aren't they written? Because they're not (laughs) rules. And now it's time for Down the Line with former major leaguer Cody Decker on 670 the score. An Odyssey Station presented by Circa Resort and Casino, home of the world's largest sports book. Gentlemen, welcome to Down the Line with Cody Decker, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Guys, I know they're a part of the show, but seriously, Chicago, it is raining, and I want to be anywhere but in the middle of this rain. I want to be at Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Guys, it's a three-story sportsbook indoors, not to mention an outdoor sportsbook with the greatest pool you ever see. Gotta check it out. You gotta see all the sports that are over there. If you are any type of sports fan, you gotta see it. Guys, welcome to the show. It is me, Cody Decker, your favorite baseball player. You probably never heard of. Turn professional smart ass on the radio. We're gonna talk about so much today. Cubs Brewers starting a potential make or break series here for the Cubs. Not to mention White Sox rained out, but a lot of talk about the Sox going into this trade market. Is Reinsdorf ready for it? Or is he a little gun-shy? We're going to get into that. But right out the gate, guys, we got to talk some more about what we talked about yesterday. And that's Hector Santiago. Let's give an update. There isn't much of one. As of right now, he's still in the same exact position he was in before, waiting to hear what's going to happen. He was, of course, pulled out of the game after an umpire uh, inspected his glove coming off in between inning checks. They thought they felt something in his glove. And let's once again look at his quote because he he seemed perplexed. He legitimately seemed perplexed by the entire thing. But then at one point when they were kind of telling him the situation, he kind of gave a little smirk as if like, ah, you got me. Ah. Now, did they catch him? We don't know. Once again, this was his quote after the game. He said he felt some sticky stuff on the inside of the glove. All I used was rosin. I used it on both sides trying to keep the sweat from dripping down to the hands. Now, that is a very reasonable explanation of having a sticky substance that may be rosin on the palm of your glove. Reasonable. Now... They are going through the whole chain of custody and chain of command. It's being dissected and broken down by just the crack scientists over at Major League Baseball. Mainly, I I totally trust them. How could I not trust them? They can't figure out how to make two baseballs look identical, but they're definitely going to send a glove to the lab. Ugh, this is such a mess. And here's the reason why it's a mess. Because right now, Major League Baseball is putting all the pitchers out there to get searched on the field, which I don't think is a good look for Major League Baseball, as I've said on this show all week. But it's just going to keep happening, so it's something we just kind of got to get used to, apparently. But it does bring up some interesting points. Are pitchers still going to Dr. baseballs? Now, my answer is a resounding yes. Now, here's why I say that. There has been a lot of talk throughout the league that, they're far beyond using spider tack and using Pelican grip dip. Now, whether or not this is true or not, I have heard that there are plenty of substances out there that are much easier to hide, that could easily blend with your skin. I have heard this a ton. I, I actually don't know about them. I swear to God, I tell you guys the truth about everything I know. I've known about Pelican for a decade. I've known about uh, – I've, I've well, not a decade, about about four years. But I've known about uh, – Spider-Tack for a long time, and it's just it's it's something that's just kind of in the game. But someone on Twitter asked me a very good question. It's a very good question, and it's something that I don't think a lot of fans really think about. Now keep in mind, I was a I was a catcher, I was a guy who played a lot of positions. I played first base, I played third base, I played left field, I played right field. I occasionally pinch hit it, but really I was also a catcher. And when I caught I would do things to help out my pitcher. In fact, the other day in the Phillies broadcast, John Crock talked about how when he was playing first base, he wouldn't mention the pitcher, but he said a certain pitcher, every time he threw the ball over to first base, he had John Kruk kept a little piece of sandpaper in his first baseman's mitt just to give that ball a little extra scuff to his pitcher and tossed it back. If you don't think catchers are down with the exact same thing, you're nuts. I, I only caught maybe about 40 games in my career, but in my catcher's mitt, I used a black catcher's mitt, all black, especially the palm. I had pine tar in that palm. Now, it would get a little crusty, and I would occasionally throw some more in there um, and let it dry over time. But I also had a little bit of a frayed thing on my shin guard. I would occasionally try to rub uh, the seam on it against my shin guard and throw the ball back to the pitcher, hopefully getting a little extra scrub for him. Absolutely, I did that. Every catcher usually has something like that. It just depends who's pitching for you. I remember uh, one time I was catching a left-handed reliever, and he told me, hey, anytime I throw a ball in the dirt, get that ball back in my hands as quick as you possibly can. And I would. Anytime an umpire wouldn't ask me the ball back, I got that ball back in his hands as quick as he can because there's a little bit of scuff on that ball. And yes, they want to use that scuff. I don't think Major League Baseball is even considering the catchers in this right now. If I am a pitcher, I'm going straight to my catcher, my first baseman, my infielders, and asking them to put things in their glove. The ball gets thrown around every strikeout. That's four guys that get to touch that ball and do something to it. You don't have to have anything on your persons at all. Catcher touches the ball almost every single pitch. He can do whatever he wants to it. He's not getting searched on the way out. What's stopping him from doing that? The answer is nothing! So... Is all of this for nothing? Yeah, a little. Down the road. As of right now, though, it does seem to be working. Look throughout the league. Spin rates are way down. And I mean way down. In fact, Tom Verducci even put out a very interesting stat. Four seam fastballs with spin rates of 2,500 or more RPM has dropped 69% in MLB's first week of sticky stuff enforcement. That is drastic. And also (laughs) 69. Uh, Couldn't have have drawn it up any better. Perfect. Perfection. You know, sometimes life is just perfect. With me today, my man Brandon. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm good, Nick. I'm good, Cody. How you feeling? I'm feeling a lot better knowing that they dropped 69%. That, That was like the perfect number, right? Oh, thank God for it. You know, I did try to wear 69 for different teams and they wouldn't let me wear it. Has anybody, like, has anybody else wore 69? I guess not. At the top? I don't know. I even offered to wear a decimal point at one point and they said no. <laughs> I just wanted to be different. I wanted to do something. I thought Manny Ramirez was ahead of the curve when he came to the Dodgers and said, hey, give me 99. No one wears that. And he's right, other than, you know, Rick Vaughn. But who's going to sit there and be like, yeah, I'm going to do what Rick Vaughn does? Only Manny could do that. At that point, I felt like the floodgates were open. You could do whatever you wanted. What do you think about this thing with the catchers, though? Do you think that catchers should and could do it? I think everyone can do it, especially if they're only going to check the pitchers. I think the pitchers should figure out new ways to get around this. I'm with you 100% because, I mean, like you said, the ball gets thrown around to first base, second base, third base catcher. Who's saying that you can't just put something there anyway? But the main thing, too, is like, What do you think, Cody, like, should be the resolution of all of this? What should MLB should have done before they implemented this? Well, I do think that what MLB should have done is work with the Players Association, which is something they're not very good at. And I don't think the Players Association is good with working with MLB either. We've seen it countless times, especially last year with the 60-game season. What a disaster that was to get that off the ground. It came to the point where the players actually had to put out a new hashtag, we're ready when you are. Like, it was just, it was a mess everybody's trying to throw mud on both sides and no one wants to just get in a room because at the end of the day, this is what it always comes down to. They all have to get in a room and just talk. That's it. That's all they have to do. We're all wasting our time by saying, oh, the owners, oh, the players, oh, the sicky stuff. They all have to sit down and talk and come up with some reasonable explanation. That's it. I don't think, I think major league baseball implementing this mid season was a massive misstep, massive, massive, massive misstep. And it's not, and the the thing that's worse about it is it's not like they didn't know about it. They've known about this for a hundred years. Teams teach it. They teach it. It's so ingrained in the game and major league baseball has allowed it to happen. Does that make major league baseball evil? No, The people who run Major League Baseball are business people. You can't fault them for making business decisions. It's the players that try to safeguard the game as best they can, but it still needs work. We went through already a full steroid scandal for 20 years. Before that, it was an amphetamine scandal for 25 years. This game is never going to be without scandal. Ever. It's just never going to happen. So anyone that says purity of the game, this game ain't all that pure. Never has been. But you know what it is? Pretty damn fun to watch. Even more fun to play. And when things go wrong, oh, it's the best. Especially when numbers drop specifically 69%. 6.70 the score. Down the line with Cody Decker. Brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino. Bet with the pros at the world's largest sports book, Circa Sports. Guys, again, I can't stress enough. I've been there twice already. I can't wait to go back. I'm looking very, very forward to doing some shows from Circa Resort. Oh, my God, I can't wait. Can you imagine me at Stadium Swim? I will wear a Speedo. That's my plan. My plan is to wear a Speedo, preferably with Ron Coomer's face directly in the front. Why, Ron Coomer? Well, because you're going to be listening to him live right after this show, getting ready for Cubs coverage. And also, if you ever run into uh, Ron Coomer, the first thing you have to ask him, do you remember Cody Decker? Ron Coomer knows me. He just doesn't know it yet. This is the best. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this so slowly over the next month until he sits down with me face-to-face right here on this show. And he reminds everybody what a 16-year-old Cody Decker could do back in the day. He saw it. Oh, he saw it. Guys, White Sox rained out today, probably for the best. I'm glad they took Game 2 yesterday. But we can't sit here and pretend there aren't issues going on on the South Side. There really are, of course. Of course, we have had the issues early in the season. This is a team that should run away with this division. No question about it. They should. They're very good. They're dynamic. They're young. They're young. I love everything about them. They're one of the most exciting baseball teams to watch play. Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease. Just what a a starting rotation. Unbelievable stuff out of that team. But injuries, injuries, injuries. Left and right, we talked about it yesterday. Abreu getting hit in the knee. Uh, That's a tough, tough, tough injury to get because it could be, you know, a week something like that, or you get hit in the knee in a certain spot, you can be out for two months with a bone bruise. I know a bone bruise doesn't sound like much. It really doesn't, but a bone bruise is awful because there really is no time set for it because it's just a matter of when your body just gets over it. You can't really treat it. It just, I don't even know if that's even what he has, but it looked nasty. And it, I mean, I've been hitting the knee before. I fell the ball off my knee in the exact same spot on my right knee. I missed three days. It sucked. And it wasn't a, and it, you know, I didn't hammer the ball into my knee. I just tapped it into my knee. But here's the question with all these injuries in the White Sox, we've been doing a lot of talking about the trade market. And as we should, the trade market is where every team that is winning right now is looking. Uh, teams that were not expected to be buyers are now buyers. Teams that were expected to be sellers aren't sellers. And yes, I mentioned last week that Kyle Schwarber is the blame, and he is. He is totally to blame. He's having a monster year, so much so that he's taken the Washington Nationals out of the cellar single-handedly in this last two weeks, and he's brought them to second place in the NL East, which is another league that is completely decimated with injuries. So there's a team right there, the Nationals, who might have been sellers, even with Mike Rizzo at the helm, a guy who just does not like to sell at all. He didn't sell two years ago when the team clearly needed to be sellers, and what did that do? Oh, it's okay. They just won the World Series. You think Mike Rizzo's thinking about selling Max Scherzer now? <laughs> nope. Not at all. So here's the problem we have right now. There is more demand than there is supply in the major leagues right now in the trade market, which is problematic for the White Sox. Every time somebody talks about a White Sox trade, what's the first thing that comes to mind? If you say it's not James Shields and Fernando Tatis Jr., you're just in denial. It's just the first thing you comes to your mind. Now, quick thing about that trade. At the time, it was not the worst trade in the world. You have to understand, the Padres were looking to dump some money of James Shields. The White Sox needed a starter. They made the offer, we'll cut, take on his entire salary. The Padres say, take on half, we really want this Tatis 16-year-old kid. At the time, he was 16. Who were we? How were we ever to know that this guy would be this? That just, it's a freak thing. I mean, the guy is unbelievable. I mean, I can't stop watching Fernando Tatis, Tatis Jr. What I what I would give to actually see him in a White Sox jersey. But, hey, man, it happens. But you know that's always going to be in the back of Jerry Reinsdorf's mind. Hell, you guys can't stop bringing it up. I don't blame you. I don't blame you for not bringing it up, for bringing it up all the time. I really don't. But it's just, I can understand why any president or GM of a team would ever be very, very gun-shy about unloading top prospects for a short-term rental. I get it. Right now, the only guys that are really out there, the only team that's really out there to really sell is Pittsburgh Pirates, Detroit Tigers, Arizona Diamondbacks. That's pretty much it. There is so much more parity in Major League Baseball than I think we were expecting. Teams that were not supposed to be competing. Red Sox, they're in first place. They weren't supposed to be competing. Look at them. Chicago Cubs are three games behind. They weren't supposed to be competing. Look at them. Gotta love this, though. It's, It's firing me up because I feel like the playing field is relatively even. I don't think there's going to be a person on the trade market right now right now that's going to make a drastic difference. I don't. Look throughout the league. I talked about Kendall Marte last, last week. He ain't getting traded. He just got hurt the other day, re-hurt the same hamstring. So he's out. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here in Major League Baseball, guys. And I'm hoping the White Sox get something going for him. I really do because it's the team that should win this division. Cleveland Indians though did suffer a pretty big setback yesterday with Josh Naylor. So it's not only the White Sox that are getting injuries. Not even in their own division. That second place team is dealing with the same exact thing. 670 the score. Cody Decker here for down the line with Cody Decker brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino, home of the world's largest sports book. Guys, let's get into some lines tonight. There's some exciting baseball still to be played tonight. Of course, we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about the Cubs and Brewers, but really quick, there is another showdown going on Out West, Dodgers and Giants. You got Trevor Bauer on the mound. Dodgers are really heavily favored. A bit too much considering the fact they are not in first place and they're playing the first place Giants. That being said, Bauer on the mound. The over-under is surprisingly low. Four and a half runs. The over is even I'm not going to lie to you. Trevor Bauer has given up at least four runs a game for like the last five games. I just don't see that happening. I think the over is coming up big. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game than they think. So that's the first line of the day that I definitely think you should definitely take a look at. The over for the Dodgers and the Giants. Outside of that, let's get into the Cubs and Brewers, guys, because this game is potentially, not just the game, the series. These next three days, I know it's only three games, but it could be make or break because the Cubs are in second place. They're back three games. Behind the Brewers. Now, they got three games coming up. They could end this series even if they were to sweep the Brewers. I don't find that to be likely, but they got to win this series. They got to win this series. I mentioned last week, I didn't expect the Cubs to win the series against the Dodgers. What I needed them to do was split, and they didn't. They lost the series 3 1. That hurts. That being said, if they can win this series, gain another game on the Brewers. Now, the National League Central is just as banged up as the AL Central, as the NL East. This is a banged up division doesn't mean the teams aren't good. They're very good. But you got the Reds hot on their tail. The Cardinals have not been the same thing without, uh, without Jack Flaherty. And if he comes back, is, is are they going to return back to form? I don't know. They're running out of time. So right now, it's a two-team race, but the Reds are starting to pick up steam. The Cubs need to hit. And as I've said before, I, in my opinion, if Baez goes, the whole team goes. Didn't happen yesterday. Baez had, ended up being the only run of the game yesterday. Clayton Kershaw threw a gem against the Cubs. But tonight is huge. In this game, though, is a little surprising. We got Kyle Hendricks on the mound. The Brewers are heavily favored in this game. Almost too favored in this game. You got Peralta on the mound for the Brewers. Yeah, good pitcher. But I love, I like Hendricks. I like the Cubs tonight. I really do. It's plus 132. That's a lot of great value for a game that's going to be a little closer than I think people think. That being said... This is a game that I'm also expecting not a lot of runs to be scored. The line right now, over-under, is 7.5. I like the under. And the under is favored, negative 120. But that's decent value. I think you'd go with that. It's even for the over, 7.5. But I really like the under tonight in this game. I think Hendricks is going to really come show up. I really do. One more prop bet in this game, which is a little interesting. We've talked about first inning runs. That's kind of a lofty bet. I'm not huge on it. I And the way the Cubs played yesterday offensively, I'm not betting on that. I would never, I would never tell somebody to go after a, fir, a first inning run unless I had a really good reason. I just don't have one today. But the first five innings is an interesting pop, prop bet in this game. Because, again, Kyle Hendricks on the mound. He does not give up a ton of runs, gives up a lot of ground balls, and he works quick innings. I really think that the Cubs in the first five innings, that's plus 127. Good value on that as well. I dig it. I dig the Cubs tonight. I really, really do. They have a hell of a battle on their hands. Yelich is starting to swing it pretty good. That, that Brewers team is not bad. I may have used to play for the organization for the briefest of times. I may have personal negative feelings towards the organization. But I can't sit here and pretend they aren't good. They are very good. And they're resilient. That's the worst part about them. They're never a team that goes on a 10-game winning streak. It drives me kind of nuts. They're one of those teams that just don't go away. And every time you get closer to October, they just happen to be there. Him, them, them and the Cardinals, they're just like the same to me. They are mosquitoes. Really good mosquitoes. But mosquitoes, you just want to slap slap them away, but you can't, because every time you slap one away, they get two more. God. God, I hate the Brewers. To be fair, I have personal reasons. Is it because they release me? No. Is it how they release me? Oh yeah, I hate them. Oh. God, I hate the Brewers. I want the Cubs to win tonight so badly. But I also really think the Cubs should win tonight. This series is potentially make or break. We're getting closer and closer to that trade deadline. We're getting closer and closer to the all-star break. And again, the Cubs do not have an easy path coming these next couple of weeks. Because right after the Brewers, who do they got coming? The Reds. Reds are playing pretty decent baseball. They're swinging it well. Who's Who they got after that? they got the Phillies. Now, are the Phillies the greatest team in the world? No, but they are also a tough team. They are not a slouch team by any stretch of the imagination. But it all starts tonight. 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 And I hope you guys are sticking around and going to listen to it. First, we got a pregame show with Ron Coomer. We're looking very, very forward to that. But not only that, guys. Something else to kind of be excited about tonight. About tonight's Cubs game especially if you listen to the broadcast right here on 670 of the score, which I strongly suggest you do. Why do I strongly suggest it? Because Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer, and Zach Zabin, they are all going to be live in Milwaukee tonight. That's right. They are going to be at the game on the road first time. I'm pretty fired up about that. It seems like, you know why I'm fired up? It feels like we're getting back to normal. It feels like real baseball. It feels like real life. And I dig that. And you should too. Root for those Cubs tonight, guys. You should listen to every line I gave you. Why? Because I'm a genius. But before that, get ready for the time of your life at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' newest entertainment destination. Bet with the pros at the world's largest sports book, Circa Sports. You got to check it out, guys. That is it for me tonight. That right here on 670 of the Score. That's been Down the Line with Cody Decker. I will be back tomorrow at the exact same time. Be safe out there. Stick around for Cubs coverage. Beat it.